As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, we'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. Two, All right, well, hi, folks. Welcome to our new little experiment here on the Two True Freaks Podcasting Network. Uh, my name is Scott McGregor, affectionately known, maybe, as Scott 2.0 occasionally. And uh, my co-host for this little thing we're going to do is Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero. Welcome, sir. Welcome, welcome. My name is Chris Tyler, and I am the fattest man alive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hardly true. You've met me. You know that's not true. Well, you know, I, I needed something to parody. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, this is going to be called as the intro that you have just listened to. Probably um, will have told you this is going to be called uh, Weekly Heroics: A Two True Freaks Guide to Heroes on TV. And um, me and Mister Hero here have uh, brainstormed this and talked about it in the past. And he finally just kicked me in the ass and said, "Yeah, let's just do this." Let's do this. And I guess we're going to be talking about the plethora, I do love the word plethora. Oh, it's a great word. Of uh, superheroic TV shows that we now have at our beck and call. And, you know, there have been, we'll talk about kind of the history of superhero TV too. And if we're feeling real randy, maybe we'll go back and, you know, do an old Smallville or something. Oh, yeah. Um, which I never never got into. but um, It's worth watching. I'm willing to take the bullet for for this team, and I've even said I will watch Gotham for this show. So Yeah, if that's, that's if that's in the plans, I will I will suck it up and watch yeah, that. Yeah, that's, so. that's how much I love you freaks. Uh, I, I, I swore I would never never, never go there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I just uh, didn't interest me. Um, but, yeah, so we, we were knocking out the uh, details for this uh, the other day in chat, and we figured what we'll do for you all is we'll focus on one um, Marvel show and one DC show, an episode, as long as we can keep that synchronized. There's, for Marvel shows right now, all we really have is, like, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I think we're going to disqualify the Netflix series for this. Yeah. Because we're always you know, we're going to do our five minute freaks on that, um, and it's kind of a different animal. Um, but I mean, we've got Agent Carter out there, keeping our fingers crossed it'll be picked up for a third season, although not yeah, really I looking so likely. Um, but Agents of Shield is about to go into its fourth season. I think it's been approved already, and so I've got a ton of those to cover. And uh, we're going to probably bop around. We'll probably make that like our maybe our anchor show and, you know, try to work our way through that. And, um, and then we'll maybe mix up the DC a little bit, but we're going to start right off with the arrow and flash shows. Yep. Eventually I'll get you to watch eye zombie. Cause that show is amazing. Yeah. I've heard it is. Yes. Um, yeah, 
need to, I may be giving up The Walking Dead for Lent next year, so, uh, <laughs> so I might need a new zombie show to, to fill my need for the undead. It's, it's, a, it's a zombie show meets Columbo, and it's in, in Psych. If you mixed all three of those together, that's that, what you get. Does anyone actually act like Columbo on the show? Because that, that would win me over right there. Um, no, not really. No but, Peter Falk uh, it would, it would coat. It would be just one more thing. Yeah. Uh, it would be nice, but the show has uh, plenty of juice. It's a uh, it's it's very good TV. No, the uh, the the main zombie girl there is definitely good eye candy from the pictures I've seen. She's uh, she looks better as the zombie. Yeah, okay. yeah. Hey, shows like that, you know, make me find funny corners of myself. I'm and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, I'm round. I don't have any corners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um. Yes, and our favorite words on the show, as all of my shows are, but, um. But, um. Yeah. Bum. Ah, coffee. And you can expect the, the high quality of, um, usual Two True Freaks broadcasting production uh, out of this show. Which if you've listened to any of our shows, you'll know that's kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't edit. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and I, I've decided I'm a complete masochist because I've, I've just like came out of the blue and be like, oh, let's do more, two more podcasts a month um, because you know it doesn't take enough long. Hey, the, there's worse, there's to... worse, there's worse habits and hobbies to have. Absolutely, yeah, uh, you know, cut into my video game playing a bit and and my nearly non-existent love life, so uh, <laughs> no great loss. Well, my fiance is in full support. <laughs> Good. Yep, yep. You find yourself a good girl there, man. Yes, yes, I did. Well, she watches most of these with me, so. Yep. Well, we'll even have her on as a guest someday. We're going to line up a bunch of guests. Uh, a lot of people were excited about this idea. I went on and announced it on the Facebook page, and yeah, it's well, it's just not something that's. I mean, because it is a time commitment, and it is something that a lot of a lot of the freaks, you know, watch these shows weekly and. Yep. At the moment, nobody's really talking about them on the network. So no, it's it's definitely a niche. No one's really really done these. So um, and I've been meaning to for a while because I've been uh, I've been right on board with Agents of Shield from day one and Flash yep. and Arrow. I think actually I didn't watch start watching Arrow till like maybe the second season. I caught up on it because at first it didn't I'm like eh, what are they going to do with this really you know I and and I read some good reviews and then I just slapped myself in the head and it's like somebody made a goddamn Green Arrow TV show why are you not watching yep. it um, so so yeah I'm all in um, so plenty to talk about uh, we're gonna start out tonight by uh, doing Marvel's Agents of Shield season one episode one the pilot episode um, and I'm gonna do a little synopsis here for you. I, I wrote way too long with synopsis for this. I went back and, and watched it, and literally probably wrote down every scene. <laughs> and so I'll try to edit myself as I go here, uh, and not bore y'all too much. But uh, we'll just do kind of the basic plot breakdown of these, and then we'll just talk about various points, various Easter eggs we saw, stuff like that. And um, I even noticed going back and watching, um, you know, a plot hole here or two. Or, or two here or there <clears throat> that we'll see if uh, you know they work out in, in later episodes or just kind of ignore like many great TV shows do. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. just, you have to. Yeah. Any showrunner that's like we have the entire series plotted out, you know, from point A to point Z, um, no deviations is probably lying to you. So, except JMS with Babylon Five. 
Okay, good. Yeah, I've, I, that's another show I started to get into and never finished. And oh my god, you got to finish it! Yeah, it's apparently like the pinnacle of sci-fi TV. So it's very good. Yep, in my next life, maybe. Nah, you got time. There's only, <laughs> there's only five seasons. Uh, uh, Marvel Agents of Shield. Uh, when this was first announced, uh, it was uh, soon after the Avengers movie, obviously, um, because we have Mr. Coulson in it. Um, I was very excited and obviously very interested to see how they're going to bring Mr. Coulson back from the dead. So that was like the yep. main main mystery box from the get go in the show. Um, the first episode was directed by Joss Whedon himself and written by Joss uh, and Jed Whedon and Marissa. Tancharoan, which I'm sure I'm I think it's Tancharoan, but Tancharoan that works for me. That sounds better than what I just spewed out. Um, and Stanley and Jack Kirby are also credited as based on the Marvel comics by. Um, now, who was wasn't? Uh, Jesus, the names eluding me all of a sudden. Who is the big Agents of Shield artist slash writer though? Not DeSalvo, it was... uh wasn't Steranko, was it? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised he didn't get credit on this at all. But, I mean, I guess only if you're the creator or whatever. At least they got Kirby in there, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, our, our main cast for this was Clark Gregg playing uh, Phil Coulson, Ming-Na Wen uh, playing the beautiful and dangerous Melinda May, Brett Dalton playing Grant Ward, Chloe Bennett playing Sky, Ian DeCastiker, I think, uh, playing Leo Fitz, and Elizabeth Henstridge uh, playing Gemma Simmons. So those are our basic cast from day one. Um, we had some guests with J. August Richards, who apparently is kind of a Whedon alumni, um, and Mike P- playing Mike Peterson, and Kobe Smulders actually showed up uh, playing Maria Hill, that she played in The Avengers. It opens with a, a little mysterious voiceover by Sky talking about how the secret is out and kind of talking about, you know, the the reveal of the Avengers and people know there are super-powered, you know, beings out there now and, and that S.H.I.E.L.D. is, you know, trying to round them up or, you know, she essentially is a, a, a hacker, kind of anonymous-type hacker, and she's been delving into S.H.I.E.L.D.'s um, stuff, trying to trying to track down some of these superhumans. And soon after we meet uh, Mike Peterson and his son enjoying a day out, suddenly there's an explosion in a building, and Mike tells his son he has to go try to help if he can, and we learn that Mike has some super strength going on. Oh, yeah. And he climbs up a burning building and saves a young woman, and uh, Sky is suddenly there uh, recording it with a cell phone, and Mike runs away. Um, the crowd sees his heroics, but doesn't really recognize Mike as he rejoins his son because he did the, the whole unbreakable hoodie thing. Yeah. Uh, which is very cool. And, um, and yeah, and, uh, you know, Sky gets her video and we learn a little later. We don't know who it is right then, but we learn later that Sky is the hacker. Uh, we, we flash over to some S.H.I.E.L.D. business going on. We meet Agent Ward for the first time on a mission against the Rising Tide. Um, he goes undercover as a waiter in a restaurant. Uh, infiltrates and finds a secret room and takes the package like good spy stuff should do <laughs> and some good fighting ensues um, soon after he's in a shield briefing room um, looks almost looks like you know a, a job interview and we find out it kind of is and he's being debriefed by Maria Hill and 
we get our exposition here, basically. Ward and Maria are, you know, she's asking him, what, is, what does S.H.I.E.L.D. mean to you? And he spews out the, uh, you know, what, what the actual an- or acronym means. And she's like, what does that mean to you? And funny line, he's like, well, it means somebody really wanted our name to spell out S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was that was classic Whedon-esque uh, quip. And, um, you know, he's like, hey, we're, we're, we're here to to basically put a lid on all this crazy shit that's going on now. And uh, and we find out that the uh, package he liberated was some Chitari tech that someone had recovered from the Battle of New York. Um, and he asked why he was, like, pulled out of his regular duty, and we learned that uh, Phil Coulson is, is assembling a special team to go out and deal with some of these superhuman threats and some of these alien tech that's left by... And he's like, well, Coulson's dead. What are you talking about? And, of course, Phil Coulson comes out of the shadows and just like, well, no, you just weren't high enough level to know. This is level seven stuff. You're only level six. But, uh, dun, dun, dun. Yep, I'm alive. Hey. And uh, we, we learned that Rising Tide is, um, has been, is a hacking outfit that's been messing with S.H.I.E.L.D. And um, Ron Glass, another, you know, Shepard Book himself, shows yeah. up and to give Ward his medical release. Ward at first doesn't take to the idea. He's like, I'm a loner, Dottie. I'm a rebel. Um, I don't work well at team. <laughs> you know, I had to throw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want some other crappy bike. <laughs> exactly. I don't want some other crappy shield team. I got my own. And, um, you know, and Colson just like, ah, it's not a request. This is an order. And uh, we get a little foreshadowing. Um, first time we hear Colson mention... You know, that he was sent to Tahiti. It's a magical place. Uh, as a magical place after uh, being killed. You know, he's like, oh, I was only out for like four minutes or something like that. But it felt a lot longer. You know, and then Fury sent me to Tahiti. It's a magical place. And and he leaves the scene and, and Maria Hill and Shepard Book, I don't know what his name is in this, Ron Glass, um, <laughs> are talking and, and Ron is like, he doesn't know, does he? And she's like, he can never know. So, dun, 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 ominous foreshadowing there. You know, something between... Coulson dying and, and re-emerging is, is mysterious, we're led to believe. Oh, yeah. We cut again to Mr. Peterson, and he's browsing some WAN ads, and then Skye uh, makes herself known, sits down, and tells him that uh, she knows that he's, he's the superhuman guy that uh, saved the girl from the building. Kind of swoons over it, insists that she's not a groupie, but, you know, it's kind of like... I think just she wanted to take Mike out to her van for other reasons than... <laughs> You know, at that point, but whatever. I'm not judging. She's too young. <laughs> yeah. She's too young. <laughs> and she lets him know that S.H.I.E.L.D.'s looking for him and that, you know, she can presumably help him out. And he's like, you have an office? He's like, I have a van. Um, she encourages him to go public and get in front of it and become an out-there superhero. And we get a little almost Spider-Man reference with, she says, with great power comes a lot of weird stuff. Uh, so that was cute by Mr. Whedon. Uh, Mike is skeptical and leaves, but uh, Sky definitely lifts his wallet. Um, Phil, we find, is uh, soliciting Agent Matilda May, who is at her desk job. And uh, he just wants her to drive the bus because she's very reluctant. Again, ominous foreshadowing. Uh, Something in her past has made her not want to be a field agent anymore, even though we learn later that she's, like, legendary, like Black Widow legendary status, and she's called the Cavalry. And we finally meet Fitzsimmons and the boss, uh, who are, you know, spewing techno babble in a way that would make a next generation cast jealous. 
Um, <laughs> and they meet Agent Ward. And uh, get another little Easter egg with Simmons asks Ward if he's ready for their journey into mystery. Loved that one when I first heard it. Yep. And Coulson arrives and good old Lola, who's on the ground at this point, uh, and learns that Ward has no sense of humor. I don't know why I put that. May gives him a briefing. Ward knows that she's a lot more than the pilot. Um, her reputation precedes her. And Sky does more of her anonymous type podcasting almost uh, telling S.H.I.E.L.D. they can't stop her and then of course Coulson basically knocks on the door and she's black bag and taken down the bus uh, so there you go Sky um, Phil and Grant interrogate her about the new superhuman she plays coy but learns that S.H.I.E.L.D. has its crap together better than she thought and Sky says something they don't know about which is the word centipede and then we cut back to Mike and learn that his powers are due to some device he's wearing presumably tied to this centipede um, to test out for someone. May and Fitzsimmons are going over the burned building. We meet uh, Fitz's flying sensor drones, the dwarves. Yeah. Uh, she calls one of them bashful. And back to Sky's interrogation, Coulson says he considers her an asset, and very funny scene where they're threatening uh, Sky with a truth serum, but he unexpectedly gives it to Ward instead. And you know, and then just leaves him with Sky, and it was kind of a weird scene, but it was pretty hilarious. Then you know, and you know, spoilers for later in the season. She probably should have asked him about Hydra, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, he didn't. So, so we we got to think maybe Ward beat the truth serum a little bit because he didn't spill a lot of things about him that we find out later on. Uh, Mike freaks out. He goes back to his old job at the factory and tries to get his old job back because he's kind of sick of being a science experiment. And he's denied and loses his temper and hurts his former boss. Um, the device is giving Mike powers, but it's also affecting his mind some, apparently. Coulson and Sky watch a news report about Mike's attack. Coulson convinces Sky to give up what she knows about him and may escort Sky back to her van so she can go super hacker for them. Uh, Mike goes to meet the woman he saved in the hospital, and we learn that she's actually part of the Centipede program, and she's mad at Mike for exposing them and showing people that he has powers. <clears throat> and she tells him that he needs to disappear, and she talks about another test subject that kind of lost his mind and blew up the lab. We do a little more science-y stuff uh, with Fitz and, Fitz and Simmons, and we learn that the Centipede Serum is similar to the Super so uh, Soldier program, and we get Erskine as a name drop, and we also learn that it's tied to the extremist serum from Iron Man 3. Yes. Um, which is why the guy blew up, and they're obviously concerned that Mike is going to blow up if they don't. So they set Fitzsimmons on their task to find some kind of antidote for it. <laughs> Mike and his son actually free Sky from May and um, says that he's going to help him. Or, yeah, she's going to help him. Mike is... Uh, making Sky erase all records of him so he can disappear with her super hacking abilities. Super hacker. Mm-hmm. And, um, let's see here. Oh, uh, yeah, Mike, our Sky, clever girl that she is, sends her shield, her coordinates while hacking for Mike, and Mike gets pissed, punches the van door off, and tries to escape um, with Sky as a hostage and his son in tow, and Sky creates a diversion by starting a fight in the train station, and Mike kind of lets loose with his powers, few people get hurt. Ward gets Mike in a chokehold, which doesn't last very long, and tries to explain he's going to blow up, but Mike breaks free. 
And Coulson takes Ward, or tells Ward, they eventually meet Mike in the train station. They've got Ward up kind of as a sniper and tells him to take the shot if necessary, but we're not trying to kill him. And, and Ward's all about, we just need to drop this guy, basically. You know, he's like, get the job done, you know, minimum casualties, all that stuff. But Coulson's out to save lives, and um, he, Mike actually gets shot off the balcony, and uh, May takes out the, the shooter. There's another party there um, trying to, you know, probably centipede, trying to get their hardware back. Uh, Mike's a bit unharmed, but uh, he's unharmed, but a bit beaten up, and Coulson walks up to him, lays his gun down, and tries to talk him down. Um, clearly, the centipede stuff, extremist stuff, is kind of raising his anger levels. Uh, Ward has him in the sights. Um, Mike is getting more and more upset. Talks about how society is getting everyone down. Also references the gods that have just appeared, and and now everyone's kind of feeling you know a little a little smaller with Thor and the Hulk and them running around. <laughs> yeah, understandable. And Coulson makes a great speech about heroism, and you know it's it, you don't have to be Thor to be a hero. You just have to be a father, stuff like that. Uh, Mike obviously wants to be a hero for his son. is about to give up, and then is shot by Fitzsimmons' new Icer rifle, presumably because he doesn't get his head blown off. <laughs> um, and Coulson reports his success to Maria Hill. Coulson offers Sky a part on the team to help him find Centipede and. Um, they get in Lola and she agrees to join, um, and Coulson says, hey, you'll be front row and center at the Stranger Show on Earth, and Sky's kind of like, yeah, you know, I was able to hack S.H.I.E.L.D., what can you guys really show me? And that's when we see Lola in all her glory, you yeah. know, kick in the jets and, and take off with Coulson and Sky, and they fly off, and that's the episode. So, man, I loved it. When it first came out, um... There's a lot of griping about Shields first season, but I mean, I was all in from from day one. Well, that's uh, let's. I mean, not to. I don't want to belabor that point too much, but I don't know what people were expecting. You're right. not going to get cinematic Marvel on ABC every week. It's just not feasible, especially with the characters that they can't touch. Right. This show, from the jump, it sets up that there's going to be a team of Marvel super spies that have advanced technology that are out in not necessarily in the shadows, but they're not in the forefront of, of the stuff that's going on with Cap and Iron Man. Yeah. It's because it's, it just, it's not what the show is. Yeah. She kind of like the old shield comic books used to be, you know? <laughs> so yeah, you know, it was spy stuff. Um, yeah. And I thought the promotional materials did a really good job of, of expressing that when they first talked about making the show. But of course us nerds are, assholes sometimes <laughs> and just can't listen to things like that because we want to hear what we want to hear yeah <laughs> uh, no, I no I, I enjoy I watched the pilot and I, I stayed with the show I, I had a good time watching it um, I mean the, the cast for the most part is pretty likable um, yeah. you know I you, you know obvious the sky is the obvious you know audience surrogate they got to bring somebody in that's new to the whole world but you instantly kind of like her. You, if you didn't already like Phil Coulson, yeah. And how could you not? Right, you're not going to be on board with this yeah. anyway because it's the Coulson show. Yeah, and 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 he's not a superhero. He's a middle aged guy. Yeah, who carries just what like a nine millimeter handgun with him, and but he's he's always on point. He 
He's always ready to do the job. But they do they do tease enough in the pilot of how was he brought back to life. Mm-hmm. And that narrative through line for the f- first season until the big, you know, switch in near the end of season one yeah. is really what you, you're tuning in for is, okay, yeah, they're going out and they're dealing with stuff, but what's the, what's the deal with Coulson? And are yeah. they ever actually going to tell us? So, I mean, that's really where the, the main thrust of that first part of the season comes from. Yeah, they didn't make us wait too long. I mean, they could have been like, you know, it could have been like lost mysteries that, you know, uh, never, uh, never get dealt with in any yeah. significant way. As far as the cast, I, uh, I wasn't a real Chloe Bennett fan at first. And I have to say, after, I think she's the standout growth performance in the show. I mean, having watched almost for, you know, three seasons now. I've been very impressed by how she's grown as an actress and, and a character. Well, she's she's young. I mean, she's yeah. very young. I think she, she was... literally just turned twenty four or something like that. You know, so yeah. I mean, she started this when she was she started the show when she was presumably, you know, twenty one, twenty ish, and she's actually an old. Uh, she was a pop singer. You know, yeah, she's a half Chinese, uh, half American pop singer. Um, so I don't know where you know they even found her, but um, I think they made a good choice because she's definitely grown into the part. And um, yeah, she is kind of the central character, more so now in the later seasons, which we'll get to in about a year and a half. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought it was a solid pilot. Um, definitely wanted me coming back for more, um, and I was happy I did, uh, as we'll be doing the, the second episode soon and you'll tell us about that one but uh yeah i mean yeah i expected exactly what they gave me i I didn't have any i didn't really have any expectations other than spy show marvel universe and i was always the one i was looking forward to seeing the other corners of the, the the marvel universe that they that they would give us the easter eggs and minor characters you know what's considered minor characters but yeah there's so many great i mean they just have access to pretty much everyone that the movies aren't going to use, you know. And, and they, a, yeah, and they've, and I think they've used most of those characters pretty darn well, especially Mike Peterson, who, yeah. lo and behold, you mm-hmm. know, by the end of the season, it's like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, did not see, you know, did not ever expect to see. We won't spoil it here, just in case, but I mean, did never expected to see that character on a TV screen no, anywhere, never, you know. And um, he's obviously a completely original character. I don't think there was a Mike Peterson, per no, se, I... in, in the Marvel <clears throat> Universe, but that was very smart of him because there's yeah. no way to tell what he was going to become. Yeah, well, that concept is malleable enough that it really doesn't matter who the original yeah, yeah. character's name is. Um, but it's, uh, you know, and, and instantly, I mean, yeah, I, I instantly fell in love with Fitz and Simmons. Yeah, um, yeah mostly, mostly, mostly Simmons. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But it's uh, it does give us that other side of the Marvel universe that's not in the forefront because he had a figure. Shield is such a large organization, and there's so much bizarre crap going on. Yeah, that there's got to be some government agency that's out there that's at least trying to police everything. Yeah, I mean, from the moment. Uh, Phil Coulson shows up in Iron Man. It's that's already alluding to the fact that there's more stuff going on that everybody just is not aware of. Yeah. yeah. 
And, uh, yeah, as far as Fitzsimmons, I loved him too. I mean, that could have that could have ended up a very cliche parts, you know. But those two actors together just had instant chemistry, and yeah, um, just as I said, that the they really the command and you they they have great cuts of the other you know cast members just with blank stares on their face when they're doing their techno babble stuff, which is as it should be. Um, yeah, the specialists. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, Ward. Ward at first was, you know, obviously kind of your 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 generic cookie cutter super agent, um, yep. as was May, but we didn't know that about her yet. Although by the end of this episode, she's already back, you know, in the field kicking ass, you know, even though she didn't want to be. And I don't think it was too far into the season where she just kind of tells, you know, Colson, it's like, all right, fuck it, I'm not just the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to watch out for you, idiots. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's the the good thing that this show has done. It's that they gave stuff going on with Coulson. They gave a backstory to May, and then they gave a backstory to Sky. That you know, all of the and Ward as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll I'm going to go on the record and say it. I think Ward is one of the best bad guys in everything that Marvel's doing right now, yes. and partially because we've had so much time with him. Yeah. Oh, I might have spoiled something if you haven't watched it. Yeah. Uh, but because um, they've managed to adapt him to whatever the show needs him to be. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's working for me. Yeah, as far as later spoilers, I don't think we have to worry about it too much. The, the show is an acquired taste. And as I said, if you were expecting Iron Man and the Hulk to throw it on every week, you were not going to like this probably. But, man, I, I think you... I think people that didn't give it a chance really cheated themselves because just the Easter eggs and the minor characters alone that they've they've rolled out in this show have been really impressive. You know, pe- characters I never th- dreamed in a million years that I would oh, I see know. mentioned even on a TV show. <laughs> uh, I know. <laughs> and the special effects are sketchy sometimes. You got to expect that with TV, but overall TV. they they pull it off pretty well. Man, they have, must have a pretty respectable budget. So. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not relying on the effects to drive it. Most of the intrigue from the show comes from the mysteries that they've established in this pilot episode, so that you are curious as to where things do end up going to. And that's been some, most of the joy of this show is seeing the directions that this show ends up going when they decide to expand the, the world a little bit. I hope uh, Joss Whedon um, comes back and writes some more episodes eventually. Um, I think he's done with Marvel. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, he almost, you would almost think that he would be a little more comfortable going back to the TV format. His brother Jed's good, not quite the uh, the dialogue master that, that Joss is, but definitely, you know, uh, has kept the show rolling with what he's got, and, and we'll be talking in other, you know, later episodes about the the synergy between TV universe and and the movie universe, which is kind of conflicted at times. It's all the same universe, but obviously it's it's got to be a hard juggling act with uh, with what they can use and what they can't. And I'm sure the writers' room is just like uh, very frustrating at times. And they're like, "Well, we really want to write this story, but we got to check with 18 other freaking people before we can do it." Yeah. Yeah, but uh-huh. I mean they're making it work. That you know, and and what they've built up over the last two and a half, three seasons, it's given them enough to play with. Where I don't think they'll have as much trouble. They've got enough stuff established now. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, the, the new season's supposed to tie into Civil War somehow, or the aftermath. I mean, that's... It's good at showing the aftermath. Like, I think maybe... It might even be episode two. But we see them kind of deal with, like, Thor 2. You know, it's almost like... Uh, Almost like Damage Control, which actually, apparently, we will be getting a Damage <laughs> Control show, which I'm so psyched about. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, which we'll definitely be covering on here. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's like the aftermath crew of what goes on in the movies, and I'm very, very cool with that. So Yeah, it doesn't have to be the movies. It just has to be a nice little side thing that's going on. You know, if you want to get a little taste of Marvel each week, then you, you tune in and you see what you know, is going to actually be used and see what interesting directions they go in. And I think, I think they've done that for the most part. All right, moving on. Um, why don't we hear about the pilot episode of The Flash? After the theatrical cartoons, after the movie serials, a new medium helped define an icon for generations to come. The Adventures of Superman. Join Mike Zumo as the Man of Screen podcast enters the next phase with a year-long look at the 1950s television series The Adventures of Superman, starring George Reeves as Clark Kent and Superman. No comment until the time limit is up. Phyllis Coates as Lois Lane during Season 1. What are you afraid of? What are you hiding? And Noel Neal as Lois Lane starting in Season 2. Why did you wait? Jack Larson as Jimmy Olsen. Mr. Kent is Superman. John Hamilton as Perry White. Don't call me Chief! And Robert Shane as Inspector Henderson. I don't want excuses, I want action. So, follow along Mike and some possible guest hosts for an in-depth analysis of The Adventures of Superman, starting in June at supermanpodcastnetwork.com and manofscreen.podomatic.com. This is a job for Superman. I mean, I've got to find it. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw my mother killed by something impossible. My father went to prison for her murder. Then an accident made me the impossible. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist. But secretly, I use my speed to fight crime and find others like me. And one day, I'll find who killed my mother and get justice for my father. I am The Flash. Okay, I did not have time to uh, write a synopsis, unfortunately, so I am going to use the Arrow Wikia to uh, just get a nice little brief synopsis here for the pilot episode of The Flash. Uh, It was originally uh, broadcast, it looks like October 7th of 2014. And uh, that's when it got leaked online early, and I know I watched it. Yeah, me too. I <clears throat> but, couldn't wait. <laughs> no, neither could I. All right, so uh, jumping into uh, the distinguished competition, uh, we'll go into the synopsis for The Flash here. So uh, basically we're going to center on Barry Allen, uh, and we find out at the beginning of the show that Barry is uh, just a kid when his mother is killed, and it's a um, he's, she's killed in the home, the family home. Uh, there's some yellow and red lightning swirling around her, and all of a sudden Barry is transported far away from his home. When he finally gets back, his mother is dead, and his father is arrested for the murder uh, of his mother. Uh, we find out through the course of the episode that uh, Joe West, who is a police officer, ends up taking Barry in 
and he lives with uh, the Wests, which includes uh, Iris West, and uh, he grows up with them. He ends up becoming a uh, a CSI for Central City because uh, he's determined to figure out who actually killed his mother and free his dad. Uh, and the crux of the episode is uh, there's a giant particle accelerator in the middle of Central City because why not? Well, yeah, uh, that's where I'd put it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <coughs> what could possibly the, go wrong? <laughs> and the uh, the particle accelerator is uh, as it's Star Labs. Uh, you know, you can't escape Star Labs in the DC lore. No. And Star Labs is run by Harrison Wells, and he's got some uh, friends there helping him out. He's got uh, Caitlin Snow and Cisco Ramon and Ronnie Raymond. They are all involved in the creation of the particle accelerator and working on the Star Labs team. Uh, the particle, particle accelerator fails, and uh, there's a massive explosion which rockets this dark energy into the sky and causes a, a chain reaction, a giant wave going through the city, and it also causes some uh, electrical disturbance in the sky. There's a uh, lightning bolt from the creation of this disturbance that strikes Barry Allen while he is in his lab. He is struck by the lightning and crashed through, just like in the comic books, a rack of chemicals, uh, and it does put him into a coma, but when he finally gets out of the coma, he discovers that he can then move at incredible speeds. Uh, so the pilot episode focuses on him testing his abilities with the help of Harrison Wells, Caitlin Snow, and Cisco Ramon. Uh, and we see him go really go on his first case and test his powers, uh, and he goes up against a version of the Weather Wizard who... Um, Decides that, well, it looked like he died uh, in the particle accelerator explosion. We find out he's come back to Central City and has begun uh, robbing banks by making it snow and wind and everything inside of the banks uh, that he's robbing. So the Flash ends up uh, finally getting the Star Labs team on board to help him become a superhero. And he does track down the Weather Wizard. He ends up saving Joe West's life in the process. And uh, this is after he uh, counter-unscrews <laughs> a tornado that the Weather Wizard is creating. Uh, but it does end up working. And um, we find out that Harrison Wells uh, realizes that there are going to be other meta-humans that were created from this dark matter energy wave from the particle accelerator. So uh, the Flash then vows to work with Star Labs to find these other metahumans and uh, save everyone that he possibly can using his new super speed as the Flash. And uh, that's about it. Except for the, the very cool stinger. Uh, Flash, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does this too occasionally. That They'll have the after credits thing almost. Oh yes, um, the stinger. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and talk about putting it all on the table <laughs> right from the get-go. I mean, the, the stinger... I'll let you carry it, man. Uh, I actually, I'm, I'm going to assume the stinger is where we. Uh, well, remember, well, Wells goes into this weird Wells goes, futuristic yes, room Wells and goes stands into up. His, which is uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah Harrison Wells has been in a wheelchair since the particle yeah. accelerator explosion. Uh, we he goes into his little inner sanctum, which looks like a room made out of braille, and we see him stand up out of his wheelchair and take a look at a uh, newspaper from the future. 
stating that the Flash has gone missing in a crisis. Crisis, yes. Uh, and if that doesn't make you want to watch the rest of this show, right. I don't know what will. Yeah, I mean, yeah, talk about leading with, with your best stuff. It's oh, yeah. Like, Uppercut, right to yeah. the face. Because who thought, you know, 10 years ago that we, well, we have seen a Flash TV show before, so that was a stupid statement, but uh, <laughs> I didn't really think they'd ever come back to it, and and definitely not with the unapologetic comic book glory that they did. I mean... Oh, yeah. this, uh, And I enjoy the I enjoy Arrow for what it is. Uh, it's basically trying to be Batman on TV with yeah. a little bit of a harder edge, uh, but... Arrow, for the most part, stayed pretty grounded early in the beginning. The Flash literally says, no, you know what? We realize this is a comic book show. We're going to pull as much from the source material as we can while still making it our own. Backwards uh, tornado right from the get-go. Oh, yeah. I mean, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and yeah, it's like, come along for the ride, kid. It's going to be a good one. And again, setting up a mystery. Mm -hmm. You've got several mysteries. You've got who is Harrison Wells really and who actually killed... Barry's mom. Yeah. So it's also putting a lot on the table there, and it does a good job of introducing us to all of the characters. Uh, again, this show also making pretty much every character on the show incredibly likable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Grant Gustin, who plays the Flash, I know people are raving about him. He is kind of playing Barry as a little bit Peter Parker, but I have no problem with that. No, no, not at not, all. Uh, because at the end of the day, he's still a CSI. Yeah. He still gets the powers from a lightning bolt and the chemical splash, and he's automatically driven because he is a cop and because of he's just a good guy. That he's you know I'm going to put on a suit and I'm going to go and fight crime. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, and the show wouldn't work if the secondary players were not incredibly likable. Uh, now, granted, Iris becomes more likable as the show goes on, but. Uh, Joe West and Cisco Ramon and Caitlin Snow are some of the best supporting characters on yeah. TV, and they remain so yeah. uh, even through the second season so far. Wasn't really won over by Caitlin and Iris at first. Um, Cisco and, and Harrison Wells and Joe West right out of the gate. Um, and we had bears mentioning we had the the 1990s Flash plays Barry's dad and yes, John Wesley like, Ship, yeah. You know, right, right from the get-go to see that, it was just like, ah! <laughs> yeah, oh, it's per- and he's, oh, man, and he's great on the show. The scenes between Barry and his dad are yes, perfect. Real drama going on there. Um, in contrast to Arrow, which we'll be doing on another episode, um, I mean, they're CW shows, so it, there's there's nothing but pretty people. There's no, oh, yeah. no, nobody looks like you and me on these shows. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what, though? It's TV, though. I, I, yeah. I don't really expect that. No, no, I'm, I'm good with that. But, I mean, you know, CW has kind of a soap opera-y feel, feel to it, and I wasn't really feeling, said Iris and Barry, through a lot of the show and the, ep- the episodes. I was, she was not a strong actress, in my opinion. She's grown into the role, too. Yes. Um, but Grant Gustin nailed it from the get-go, man. I mean, he's just, he's owned that part. And I will go to my grave saying he should be the one in the Flash movie, too. I but, completely agree. Um, it's kind of a dick move by DC, to be honest with you. Well, but, it's TV and movies. They don't yeah, cross over. Yeah, whatever. Well, what the, what the dick move was, actually, when, when, like, I think it was literally, like, the day the pilot came out, they made the announcement of who was cast in the Flash movie. 
you know, maybe it was midway through the season or something. I don't know. But Stephen Amell on Arrow actually called out Warner Brothers and told him it was kind of a dick move. Um, when they the timing of the announcement more than anything, but yeah, uh, whatever. Alpha male executive producer over in WB. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I noticed a little continuity nitpick in this episode. Uh, having watched through every episode, uh, yeah. they do show Linda Park as a reporter in the oh. first episode, but we find out uh, she's she's a news reporter in the first episode. Then they recast her later on, and she's. She works for the the newspaper, and it's a completely different actress. Just uh, little yeah. things to just little things to pick up. Yeah. No. Well, actually, I, was, I I think I failed to mention it in the, the Agents of Shield, but um, it alluded to Sky in Agents of Shield knowing what her real name was, um, which we learn later that she doesn't really know what her real name was. You know, later on in the episodes, she discovers what her real name was. Um, yeah. But uh, no, I. I jumped on this show, and I, I have I, Flash, Arrow, and, and Shield are pretty much the only shows right now that I make a point to watch. You know, within yeah. you know twelve hours of them coming out, if if I'm not watching them live. I mean, just talk about like your perfect origin story as far as shooting it for TV, and I don't I don't know how they're going to top that in the movie either because that was right off the panels. I yep. mean, that was friggin' brilliant. <clears throat> I love the suit. It's going for a little, little more of the the leather, you know, down to earth type stuff. But uh, even that's evolved over time a little bit. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, and people complain about the suit too. It's like he's not going to be wearing spandex. I'm sorry, it's just not happening. Alex Ross draws a great version of what spandex would look like on yeah. a page. Yeah. I don't want to see the seams on the suit. You know, even yeah. the even the '90s Flash TV show didn't do it. You know, it's like you just can't do it. What I <laughs> that's one of the things I always come back to. The first Captain America movie, they showed you a comic book accurate costume. It looked like crap. Yeah, yeah, that was, was a great call by them to to do that. Yeah, um, yeah, but this, I mean, they, they man for, and you got to think that the CW has even less of a budget than ABC TV and then the juggernaut. That's oh yeah, Disney that owns that, and man, they. Can't be cheap doing all those those speed you know effects and and stuff like that and man some of the shit they've had in later episodes you just can't believe that they're putting on a TV show. Yeah, it's not <laughs> yeah it's not it's not the best effects but the show is not being carried by the effects it's being carried by the storylines which I think they've done an incredible job on yeah. and and that's another show that's playing with characters that did you ever think you would see them on screen at all Yeah yeah it's craziness and they've just gone all in and i mean it sets up we talk about the flash movie but the beauty of the flash tv show is that it is literally set up and i don't think dc should discount how important this is it is literally set up the multiverse and that yeah they're kind of like we can do anything now and and they have and they will and um yeah, yeah, spoiler, King Shark shows up in season two. And fucking I mean, motherfucking Grodd. I mean, come on. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, you know what? This, this is how good this show is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be jumping ahead a little bit. So, yeah, they tease Grodd. They tease an empty cage that says Grodd in the pilot. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. We'll never we'll see never, Grodd. Never, you know. Yeah. And then they show Grodd. And well, you might is, see the, the, the hairy fist or something. You know, maybe they'll throw in there someday. Yeah. But. And then they actually... <laughs> They actually throw in Grodd, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. They actually used Grodd. They'll never show us Gorilla City. 
the yeah. next, the friggin' next time they show them, I'm like, oh, all right, I guess they're <laughs> the Gorilla they're, City is established. Why like, not? I can't, I can't discount the stuff that this show throws at us weekly because yeah. they really are just saying, all right, if we're gonna go to the bell, we're gonna ring it, and why yeah. not? Oh yeah, yeah, I love the writers for this, and I think it's. Kind of the same creative team as does Arrow, right? Arrow, uh, Flash, and Supergirl have right. pretty much yeah. the same. Yeah, uh, Greg Berlanti and Andrew Kinsberg. Price, Price Price yeah. yeah. And Sam and, Lentz. Yep. Yeah. So this, I mean, it's they're not they're not skimping on any of this stuff. You know, it's that they decided with the Flash they could do whatever they want. No. As I said, I never got into Smallville, but I mean, I kind of followed it around on some of the trade websites and stuff. As it was going on, I was reading about it. Maybe you want to get into it because it looked, you know, they went all in with like the Justice Society and shit later on. Yeah, in those seasons, and I will go back and watch it just for that stuff. I, I enjoyed that show. Uh, I think it went on a little too long. Uh, yeah, and but I'd say honestly, I think seventy percent of it is is pretty darn good. Yeah, you know, I, I for, you know I enjoyed the show for a show that probably shouldn't have gone on as long as it did. It, I mean, it does have its missteps, but. Uh, it's. I think it's definitely worth watching, but uh, you know we'll let Magnus cover that because he's doing an excellent job covering that show. Yeah. If you haven't listened to his retrospectives on Smallville, even if you weren't a huge fan of the show, it's worth checking out. Yeah, cool. Yep. Um, yeah, and it'll be. I'll be ninety by the time I get around to even watching it. So <laughs> we'll let that one sit for a while. They used Zatanna. <laughs> you have to watch it. Yeah. Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think. I gotta say, I think out of all the the superhero heroic TV that's going on now, I think Flash might be one might be my favorite, um, just because of the unapologetic comic book feel of it. And I'm primarily a Marvel guy, and I don't have huge experience with the Flash comics. I mean, I read some Silver Age, and um, you know, just him with the Justice League mostly. Um, but I mean, I loved his portrayal on the old Justice League cartoons. That's kind of my gold standard. It's a lot of people's gold standard of how to tell a DC TV show yeah. story. And, yeah, they, they just they kind of adopted that vibe and were like, we're going to go for it. And God bless them. So, um, yeah, I'd give all of them a nice big wet licorice kiss to say thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Especially Caitlin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. But uh, it's it's good TV. Um, if you're listening to this show, you're probably watching it, so you know how good it is. All right, I guess that that just about wraps up our first episode, I suppose. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the pilots they're going to set the table, and uh, both of these pilots do exactly what they need to do. They yeah. drop you out the main mysteries, they introduce you to the main cast and the supporting cast, and they really do set the template for how the seasons are going to go. Um, you know, even though there are some. Uh, directions that you might not see coming at the start. Well, and just the, again, the Flash Stinger is just probably the most holy shit. They're really going to go there that I've ever seen. Yeah, on a yeah. comic book TV show. That's just you know what, what a night. I mean, they're doing exactly Crisis on Infinite Earth as we learn later. Um, but I mean, it's just to even mention it and think that we could go there and think that Barry's going to be traveling through time and all that good stuff. It's just like wow. Great time to be a comic book fan. Yeah, I mean, even just showing they're trying to test out his speed on a treadmill, and I'm like, you know what? Cosmic treadmill. I know that's going to end up being a cosmic treadmill at some point. <laughs> yeah, you know what? 
Now, a little questionable about there. I, I don't remember. Did he actually kill the weather wizard with his reverse tornado? I don't. I don't oh. believe so. I think they knocked it out. Knocked yeah. him out. I don't remember. if no, he started no, Joe. The super... I think shoots him, doesn't he? I don't remember. I can't remember. I didn't get yeah. a chance to rewatch it, but I think Joe plugs him. Yeah, but we we learned later they set up their own little super max prison in the uh, particle accelerator. Yes, but not yeah. yet. Not nope. Yet. Nope. Nope. All right, thanks, kids. This has been uh, Weekly Heroics, Two True Freaks Guide to Heroes on TV. Hope you'll join us again. It's time for some thrilling heroics, a brand new podcast on twotruefreaks.com. Keep flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to do the impossible, cover every episode of Joss Whedon's science fiction space opera western, and that makes us mighty. We found as fine a crew as ever populated the podcasting verse. I told them I had a job. They said yes. Didn't much care what it was. So join me, Andrew Leyland. I fought for the independence. May have been the losing side. Not so sure it was the wrong one. I'm joined by a man too pretty to die, Mr. Paul Spataro. And last, but by no means least, a man with a mighty fine hat, Shepard Bill Robinson. So join us on twotruefreaks.com for Keep Flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to misbehave. <laughs>